We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. NBA Most Valuable Player, Giannis Antetokounmpo. Giannis trailing the lob. Oh. Giannis Antetokounmpo. Two seconds. Middleton. Yes! Chris Middleton. Nice jumper. Got it! Giannis Antetokounmpo. Hey there. Welcome to the Eurostep, a Milwaukee Bucks podcast, part of the Blue Wire Podcast Network. I am here with my good friend, esteemed tweeter, Rohan Kadi, we are here to break down the Bucks' 107-98 win over Golden State. We are recording right after that game finished. We will be doing this recording past midnight central time. Just for you, the listeners, we really hope our sacrifice is appreciated. Uh, this is a game I think a lot of people either wanted to go to bed during or probably did go to bed during. Pretty sloppy game from both ends, but the Bucks pull out the victory uh, Rohan, how's it going, and what are your thoughts on this sloppy, sloppy nine-point victory for the Bucks? Well, I mean, let me uh, pull back the curtain a little bit. When I first got on this call with you, I just asked you, what what did we just watch? Because that was <laughs> not very... It was not good basketball from either team. Like it, it wasn't very entertaining to watch, necessarily. Like We had some nice highlights, but it, there were a lot of lowlights, and yeah, let's... Yeah, that's all I have to say for right now. Yeah, I I certainly agree. Um, the Bucks shoot it is. I actually haven't looked. I would assume twenty two point zero percent from three is the the season low for them. It's got to be at least close to it. I know they've had a couple of of flame out games, a couple kind of stacking up recently, which is a little worrying. So that's why for the the sort of theme of this podcast, the way we're going to go about it, instead of just deep diving on this game, which I don't really know how much people want like in-depth perspective on Amari Spellman and Alec Burks and other guys hitting 60% of their threes. Uh, Damian Lee, who's like a fine NBA player, is four for eight from three. Those guys I mentioned were both three for five. Just 
like a lot of lights out shooting from non lights out shooters, the Warriors end up at almost 40% from deep. So instead of just deep diving on this, uh, I figured we would look through some concerns, both from this game and just from the team recently, uh, going back about a month or so, that have flamed up a lot or not like, cropped up a lot on, on Twitter and just wherever people talk about Bucks. So, like, you know, Twitter, this podcast, our Discord. Not ESPN, because uh, there's just no Bucks talk whatsoever. But I, I figured we would do that. So, uh, I don't know. What do you think, Rohan? Are you ready to talk about concerns? Like, it, it sounds like it's going to be a downer of a podcast, but I think our goal is to kind of look through some things that folks seem worried about and kind of decide mm-hmm. what's what's a valid concern, what's worth being concerned about, and what can you kind of, like this game, shrug your shoulders and go you know what let's not let's yeah. not focus on this and one just so much. to just to say i did look it up this was their second worst three-point shooting oh my god what was the worst one uh the game where kobe white made w- more than them and they still oh, won oh that's yeah, right the 18.2 percent game. game oh that's brutal yeah. but still bad but yeah this should this isn't going to be necessarily a downer of a podcast but it's ne- it's good to see like where there are areas in which this team can improve for sure so I mean, just quickly, we should probably go a little bit more in depth on on the Bucks this game and the last game. I mean, the last game also is definitely a stinker, but the Spurs shot even hotter than the uh, than the Warriors did tonight. I keep wanting to call them the Kings. Like I'm so used to you're in this part of California playing a terrible team. I'm so used to it being the Kings. It's still weird to me that it's not the Kings, but it, it's not. It's the Warriors. They're they're just bad this year. Um, I don't know. I don't. I don't even have that much analysis. Uh, Giannis makes the Bucks first three. I think at one point they were either one for twelve or one from thirteen. He like does this real nice dribble into the corner, pull up three, and he drains it. And you go, okay, Bucks are gonna run away with this thing now. And then it's close all the way through, and it ends up being really close near the end. Um, Chris Middleton on and off some really really good moments, but then also. Uh, some quiet spells as usual, but I think overall this might have been one of his better games. Only the one turnover, and I actually remembered it was, it was a an ugly p- attempt at a pass. But Chris made some nice dimes this game. Ends up with six assists. Uh, Bledsoe again, kind of up and down, three steals, which is nice. Brook Lopez uh, hits two threes, which is a lot for him this season. That's nice. I don't know the the bench combined was two for fourteen. I think Dante DiVincenzo 0 for 5 from deep. Otherwise, a very, very nice game. And Dante did lead the Bucks in plus minus, but just could not get the shots to fall. I mean, I don't know. What 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 am I missing here? What else really matters it just, in this game? It seemed like when you just look at the box score, you can see like this that they put up some, like each player put up numbers but when you when you're watching the game you don't really feel it like do you feel like Eric Budsoe scored 16 points? No, all you remember is like his timidness to shoot from 3. Yeah, um, because you you he's while he may be scoring, he's not necessarily making a big impact on the game. And uh, conversely, like you can see, guys like Dante, Dante only scored three, uh, four. Wait, can I read eight points? Eight points. Wow, I can't <laughs> read. I guess. Um, but he he seemed to have a massive impact on the game, especially down the stretch. Did you see him trying to? Did, he was going for every single rebound, like just flying through the air, like it was just a like a playoff game. He had yeah. such great intent. It's, I tweeted this. I will never tire of seeing Dante get big boy rebounds. Like it's it's so entertaining to watch. But he he made a massive impact on the game. And we, we've said before that single game plus minus doesn't really mean much in the grand scheme of things. But it did. Um, it it was 
it was accurate for this game because Dante had a massive impact when he was on the floor, even though he was not hitting his shots. But it just overall, it just felt like a game where they didn't really wake up and they didn't really need to in the end, but it's kind of concerning. Yeah, I mean, good good free throw shooting kind of saves the day here because, I mean, Bucks end up winning by nine, and, and I, you doubt they would miss nine more free throws than they did. They ended up going 28 for 32, so that's 87.5%, a very, very good mark for any team. Giannis up there as well, nine for 13 from the, the stripe, shooting around a, a real nice 69%. But uh, some of those, some of the scoring numbers boosted a little bit by Steve Kerr electing to hack Giannis, which really just did not work. Um, he ended up making enough of those free throws and just uh, the night overall and in that scenario to, to really make that a non-effective strategy. I forget what the number is, but I'm pretty sure... Like, even if you shoot 60%, I think you kind of outsmart the math there and make it a bad proposition to uh, to hack Giannis. So just going yeah, back to the Yeah, I think it's around, end, like, if it's, yeah, 60 to 50%, like... Like, if you, you hit 60, I think I think it becomes a bad idea. Because, I mean, that's 1.2 points per possession. Mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure. So, yeah, it's yep. not, not ideal. We do math um, here on the Eurostep. We try to, at least. So going back from the end of the game, I mean, he makes two of two with 30 seconds left. He makes two of two with 42 seconds left. Uh, let's see. I thought there was one more. Oh, he was one of two with 221 left. That might have been the first the first one. Yeah, because it was within three minutes. So uh, not successful. I mean, if Giannis is going to make five out of six in those attempts, obviously it's a, a real bad idea. That's a lot of points without much effort at all. Um, were you surprised to see the, the hacky honest busted out? I guess this could be our first concern. Are you concerned about the hacky honest going forward? Mm. Uh, just, I mean, assuming Giannis isn't going to make whatever five for six is percentage wise every time, but are you concerned with, with how that could go in a different, not, a different game? Not really because, uh, obviously they have made like some real changes, so it's not really as effective as it used to be. And also, like Giannis is one of those guys where once he gets in a rhythm, he's just going to keep making his free throws, which we saw. While, like you said, is not going to be the five for six percentage that we saw tonight, but you're he's still going to get going. Like he still hits most of his free throws at the end of the game because once he shoots a lot of them, he's sort of he gets into his rhythm and he just makes them. Am I wrong in saying that he's a, he's a rhythm shooter? No, definitely. I feel like the more Giannis pauses and thinks, usually things tend to go worse for him in in all aspects of shooting. Mm. And like if he if he shot a lot of free throws in the game, the later latter ones are just gonna go in more more often than not. No, absolutely. So uh, yeah, I, I'm I'm not worried about it either. So we can we can cross that one off early. There's something else you said earlier that I feel like could be our next concern here. You know, this was kind of a game where it really did feel like the Bucks. They knew they weren't coming in here to play the real Warriors. You know, this is a, a cellar-dweller team. These Warriors stink. They're at the bottom of the Western Conference. They've been there all season. Uh, nice new building. That part is great. But it did seem like the Bucks not exactly up and primed for this one. Are you concerned with Milwaukee not putting the pedal to the metal in this game more often? And and we've seen it in some other games, too. I mean, there's there's clearly been times where... I mean, they win most of the games, but the Bucks have sleepwalked at times this season. I'm going to say, like, for for tonight specifically, not really, and just in general. Like, it's January 8th. Do you really need to put the pedal to the metal? 
No. No, for sure not. I'm not concerned about it either. I think uh, it would be nice to see them win some of these games by a higher margin. I think most of the time they do. Like if the Bucks shoot uh, 10% higher from three or whatever, which isn't a ridiculously great shooting performance for them, then I think this game looks a lot different. It probably gets put away earlier, and, and then everything looks a lot different. So I think they can coast to get wins most nights, and, and that's just fine as long as they keep that don't don't let the uh, the shifter get too rusty. Something. As long as you're resting, you're like getting your players like adequate like rest, so they're not like doing the pounding necessarily that you would in normal games. So you don't have to try super hard. So you can save yourself for when it actually matters. If you're doing that, then it's fine. If you're not even doing that, like then at least try harder. Yeah. No, I agree. But I my my thing is just don't let the shifter get too rusty. That that gets you into that higher game. Mm-hmm. Make sure you still have that at the ready. But I think like with how good they played against the LA teams, and I I hope we get a really nice bounce back game the next time they play the Sixers. Oh, they but will. It, it, they it, take it, these matchups very personally. So yeah, you can, next time they play the Sixers, they're going to be looking for blood. I not not quite Jimmy Butler and TJ Warren, but you <laughs> oh, know. that's terrific. Um, that is not a concern at all. I I love I love Jimmy Butler talking absolute rubbish to TJ Warren. Mark I think it's guy forever. Yes, true. Milwaukee can uh, Milwaukee can rep him. So uh, let's see. We've gotten through Hackianis, blah blah blah. I don't know what I, we we talked a little bit before Rohan. Do you have any any concerns you're excited to talk about? Well, I mean, like. <sighs> It's 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 weird to say that like this is a team that it's safe to say that this team relies on the three ball to to succeed right to and, a certain extent for yes. sure yeah it's not necessarily like they're not going full what seventeen eighteen rockets but thank uh, goodness they're not obviously because you have Giannis on your team but it's still it's it's a major part of their offense. And what's not good is when you shoot really bad, especially your volume shooters. So you you want to you want to hear something? Uh, let's let's start off with this. Like their last season, the Bucks shot thirty eight point two percent on this from three on the season, which you know is good, especially in the volume that they do. This year, the obviously the tonight's numbers aren't really factored in, but it's just going to go down. But uh, they're shooting thirty five point nine percent from three so far. Uh, which is down 2.3% from last season. And a major part of this is because a lot of their volume shooters, like especially one in particular, is having a major regression. And that would be... Can you can you guess who that is? I'm sure it's not difficult. I'm going to go with Brooke Lopez. Yeah, yeah. So Brooke Lopez last season shot 36 point something percent from three. Um, and he's a career 34.2% percent shooter from three this season uh his percentage went down tonight remember once again uh tonight's numbers aren't on nba's uh stats um he's down to 30.4 percent that is that is muy no bueno well the the number actually went up i think he was two for six oh was he so yeah so it'll go up very slightly yeah so it'll go up very it'll still be lower than his career average yeah by a significant margin and which is which is crazy because a lot of the other like players that are shooting that shoot a lot for this team have actually gone up in percentage 
like for example, even even the extraneous ones, like Dante obviously had a terrible shooting year last year, so he can only go up. So he's up like two point four percent. Eric Bledsoe is up two point four percent. Ersan Eliasova is up to thirty eight and a half percent, one point nine percent increase from last year. George Hill thirteen point three percent increase, up to fifty one point eight percent from three compared to his career. Giannis up four percent for his career, and it's just and but like the the ones that bring you down are the most volume shooters. Like Kyle Korver is like having not a great year for shooting, which is insane because he's shooting forty one point four percent from three. But he's he's just an entirely different animal. Pat Connaughton's down three point four percent. So when you factor in Pat Brooke, um like uh Kyle Corver and um Sterling Brown is down, Wes Matthews is down compared to their careers. Like all of these guys who shoot a lot of threes for this team are having career bad shooting years. So you can't you can't expect your team to necessarily thrive, especially when they rely on the three ball so much when they when a lot of their volume shooters are not shooting well from three, and that's a point of concern for this team. Yeah, and I think that is a legit one, but I think the the tricky part is I don't know what you can really do aside from making some sort of a roster move. And obviously there's a risk there too, but like it, it is fascinating. I think what really what really stinks, what really hits you is uh outside of Brooke Lopez, a lot of the disappointing shooters this year have kind of stacked up at one position, like the backup small wings. Uh, Corver, of course, still hitting 41.4, repping Milwaukee with the 414 three-point percentage, but he's almost like a different class. But, like, I mean, I know Bud likes the, the Dante-Pat combination. Obviously, they bring so much energy and everything. They're, they they play together a fair bit. Those guys are both hitting in the low 30s. And Pat, Pat especially has been disappointing because he, in my opinion, is someone who should be relied on to be a little more consistent than Dante. But he's uh, closer to 30% than 32%, which is not what you're looking for from, from a wing player on this Bucks team. I mean, it's certainly making it a lot harder to score uh, when there's more guys than, than there should be that defenses are just not worried about sticking with. I mean, Brooke Lopez is so integral on the other end, you kind of just go, well, we're going to have to figure it out and see if we can get him hot. That's fine. Bledsoe, as well as he's shooting this year, frustratingly turned down a pretty a pretty important three-point attempt coming off of a Christianis pick and roll. We'll get to talking about those. Trust me. We've we've got some stuff. I've I don't even have stuff. I just have unbridled excitement. But um like that that's brutal. Like that that's the other part of this that doesn't get captured just in the percentage. You need guys who are willing to pull the trigger on those threes as well. So Bledsoe not shooting there. Kind of makes his, you know, what is it, thirty six point one percent, which is solid. Uh, three point percentage this year, it's kind of irrelevant if he's just. Yeah, not it doesn't matter pull. if you're not actually shooting. Yeah. Um. So that's that is an issue. Uh. Something's gonna have to happen. Whether it's you know Dante discovering his shot suddenly, which I feel like is a little far fetched to hope for. Uh. Pat turning his year around. I I still think I still have hope. Brook Lopez does on a going into this game, his last ten. He was at like 40% from three. So I think we're starting to turn that around. Uh, and again, he's so important defensively. I think you just leave him for now. But it is going to be interesting to figure out what you do if a month from now, Dante and Pat still can't hit anything. Because they're important parts of the rotation. 
They play together. They kind of overlap at the same position as well. And I don't know how many other options you have if you don't make a move and those guys just do not hit any shots. And Sterling Brown this year disappointing at 32.8%. Seems like he's kind of out of the rotation anyway for whatever sort of doghouse reasons is going on there. So not exactly sure personally, but uh, just not a lot of good options. Like that group should be able to be at least league average three-point shooters. Them not doing that and not being able to hit threes has certainly hurt the Bucks. Yeah. And it's when I was looking this stuff up, it was just kind of weird because it's like, how can you have so many guys go up in percentage, but have your team seem to be like letting themselves down at the three point well, line? Some of that, uh, don't mean that, like, it's got to no. be some of that has to be Giannis's volume, right? Mm-hmm. Yep. Like, Giannis is shooting a lot more, and you can't really get mad at him for it, but it's certainly weighing down the, the team percentage without yeah. a doubt. Mm hmm. And I guess we didn't really say George Hill did not play in this game. Yeah, yeah, which oh. was very, very noticeable. Yes. Uh, he is by far the Bucks' best three-point shooter. He's the best three-point shooter in the league, 51.8%. So you do miss that. But it kind of begs the question, are you relying too much mm-hmm. on that? I think that's uh, – that's. I didn't have that one written down as a concern, but I think that's like very accurate. And I thought about this a lot recently. George Hill not exactly a spring chicken. Like I do, I do wonder sometimes if the Bucks are a little bit too dependent on George Hill as like the whole bench. Like right now, it's like he's the only non-starting shot creator. Yeah, and shot maker too. It feels like um, unless you count Robin Lopez in his hook shots, which you kind of you can should. you can yeah, count Robin Lopez because it is like legitimate offense that you can create off your bench. The guy has been a revelation since I was on him early about not fitting in. He is, he stopped fitting he out and he started terrible. fitting in. He was bad. <laughs> he was terrible when he first started the season, but now he's sort of found a role. But yeah, getting back to George Hill, it seems like you can tell when he's not playing, which is like when, when uh, like Wes Matthews was out. You couldn't really tell that much, it, like compared to what uh, games where George Hill is out. Like you can feel like something is missing. Do you do you get what I'm saying? No, I do. You can tell when things start to get jammed up. He is a guy that Bud knows he can put in, and and George Hill's brilliance is in. Like he doesn't even have to have the ball to make such a difference. But since he is leading the league in three point percentage, since he has been such a weapon from deep. Teams have to respect him so much that it opens up opportunities for everybody else. So, um, you know, sometimes even Chris and Giannis can get a little stuffed up when they're on the floor together. But when you put both of them out there with George Hill, those lineups, it just, then there's so many weapons, there's so much more space available without him. Certainly, like if you have Pat and or Dante getting his minutes, then it's like, it's just such a, it's such a relief for defenses who are like, oh, whatever, like, we don't care that much about Pat Connaughton, whereas George Hill, you have to care about him, or he's going to hit a three over and over and over like he has all season. So definitely just that, that extra punch, that spacer, that that shot creator, not having that factored in huge here. And it does kind of make you think, well, maybe the Bucks should look at getting somebody to augment their shot creation off the bench if so much is riding on George Hill. Yeah, and but once again, this gets back to our point, like, it is a January eighth game, so if you like, if he's missing from 
this game, which means he can play in playoff games. Like you make that trade every single, uh, every single night. Yeah. And I do want to, I want to shout out, uh, in the discord, we asked for some questions as we'll do from time to time on podcasts. So Cowboy of space, uh, his, his question, he knew we were going to talk concerns. His question was about the knockdown shooters and, and we agreed. Yeah, it is. It is pretty valid. The The solution is more murky. I don't know. I think for now you just have to, you know, coaching and, and coach Corver and everything else and hope some more of these guys can start hitting these shots. But, you know, maybe it is something where you look at adding that that shooter, that knockdown shooter who you can find, whether it's Davis Bertans, Davis Bertans, excuse me, or somebody else. I don't know. But we can cross that one off. Um, you know, while we're talking about offense and, and shooters and everything, I want to hop to uh, another another pretty serious topic. This one, this has been kind of a serious podcast early, but we've got some uh, we've got some less serious stuff coming, I think. But Basically, just the idea that you know Chris Middleton and or Eric Bledsoe are not consistent enough, cannot get you points on demand enough to be those quality second and third options on a team that obviously has championship aspirations. So where do you come in on that? I feel like we could do a whole podcast on each of these guys individually. That's kind of the issue, but um, you know, just your, your kind of quick take, you know, what are your thoughts on? those two being your number two and your number three well i mean it's i don't think it's a hot take to say that they're not that consistent nights and night yeah but if you have two like not necessarily consistent players you can hope that you know they sort of offset each other so it's yeah, like you, you get at least one of them. yeah at least one of them's oh like one of them's good for the night you know and when that doesn't happen you have two uh players who you think you can rely upon who aren't necessarily showing up but it fits nights where one of them's on one of them's not you can still like it's a it's a good thing if you have nights where both of them are on it's a great thing but it's the nights where neither of them are on that it really stings yeah and this is where you know, this is where, like, the Drew Holiday idea that I was so obsessed with. Still low-key, um, like, that's just one of those where this is a, that's a guy who proved on the highest level. Like, he'll just show up every night. Like, there's so much value in that. And I think I think Chris is going to have an off night every once in a while. I think his his Eastern Conference Finals was fairly bad. But I think the Bucks in general ended up getting flummoxed. But I I think more often it than wasn't, not. It wasn't as bad as it's been made out to be. It wasn't as bad, no, but it wasn't. It, it wasn't. wasn't it wasn't peak playoff Chris Middleton. No, certainly it, it wasn't against the Celtics. No, <laughs> um, but I, I think he's been there more of the time. He's had a, a yeah. few bad games. It's for fair sure. to say that Chris Middleton is a consistent playoff performer. Oh yeah, I'm talking about just like recently in this regular season. Oh, okay. right now, but no, I, I, I agree. I think I, I trust Chris Middleton. I. I I, obviously, everyone knows I'm kind of a Chris Middleton stand, but I, I would trust him in the playoffs. But um, he's going to have an off night here or there. I think that's a, that's a certainly a fair criticism of Chris. I thought he was pretty. I thought he was very good tonight, actually. Uh, Twenty one points, seven boards, six assists. He's really been piling up those like low to mid twenty points totals, and then six to seven assists and rebounds. Like that's a that's a really nice contribution from from a second guy. Uh, Chris also has a steal and one turnover, three fouls. So good night for him. I think 
I don't know. I think I've I've always maintained this. I think getting him more and more involved can only help, and I think it'll make him more consistent. Uh, I think it's one of those where he just needs those game reps to keep improving. It, it sounds kind of silly for a player. I think Chris is like 27 years old, obviously been in the league for a long time, was an all-star last year. But really, I still think coming into his own is like realizing that he can be a guy that, you know, directs offensive actions and, and leads pick and rolls with a player like Giannis. Like I, I still think some of that is kind of new uh, to him and to this team, especially because I mean, you had early last year, like Bud trying to really fit him into his system more and cut out some of those mid-range jumpers and Chris kind of arguing for those back. Like there's been an interesting dynamic there. And I think the Bucks would be better served to give Chris more freedom and, and more control of the reins. But Bledsoe for me is really the one where the gulf can just be so, so wide. Like tonight, an okay Bledsoe game, uh, 16, three and two, three steals, which is great. A block, which is good. A turnover. Uh, still a minus four, uh, worst among starters, worst among Bucks actually. Poor Bledsoe. Um, but some nights he's just like actually unplayable. Some nights, I mean, when he's on and the other two guys are on, that's when the Bucks you're really like, oh my god, this team. How do they ever lose games? Like he's good. Bledsoe is so 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 good, but he is the really the concerning point where like you really do not. It's it's mystery box. It's totally a mystery box. Like. We don't know what we're going to get, but let's cross our fingers. Yeah, it's uh, – I forget which Spurs game I tweeted this during, but it's like if when Eric Bledsoe is on, he's nearly unstoppable on both ends of the court. Yeah. You just – No, I, you you can see why the mini LeBron thing was, was attached to him. Because mm-hmm. he, he just shows so much ferocity on the defensive end, and he's just so dynamic on the offensive end. But it's just – it, that's what makes it even more frustrating when he doesn't perform because you know he can, but he just doesn't for some reason. And I don't know if it's a confidence thing. I don't know if it's some personal thing. I don't know what it is, and I'll probably never know because I don't know Eric Bledsoe. I am not Eric Bledsoe. I do not read his mind. But it's there. It's a thing. <laughs> And yeah, it's just this. This is what the Bucks' title hopes rely on. Like it's Eric Bledsoe, which scary scares thought. me. Yeah, it's a scary thought. Um, and it's yeah, just so th- it, this. It's <laughs> okay. It's fair. It's very fair criticism that he's very inconsistent, and we're like you were saying with the Drew Holiday thing. Like, is it worth the risk? That's the question that the Bucks need to answer in the next month. Yeah, and they, they only get a month. I will say, like, it would be so nice if you could just make a, a trade with, like, the basketball gods. Like, <laughs> here's 10% of Eric Bledsoe's ceiling back. Now raise his floor by, like, 40%. Like, that player oh, would be yes. so, so, yes, so you good. You need to make the, that trade with the basketball gods every single day. John Horse needs to get on the phone with the basketball yeah. gods. Call those gods. Yeah, they, <laughs> get some rumors started. <laughs> we get to Woj oh. that we're on the phone with the basketball gods. Mm. Sources um, say that the Bucks are interested in making a trade with the <laughs> basketball gods involving yeah, Eric Bledsoe. I'm going to raise Eric Bledsoe's floor a bit. But I do think on the optimistic side, because I think we've been a little bit doom and gloom. Um, for, we're talking I think we're, doom we're, and gloom after a win. Uh, like, a, what was it, a seven-point win? 
nine point win. Nine point win. Almost double. We're talking doom and gloom after an almost double digit win. That was a doom and gloom win, though. I mean, that it win was. was ugly. But it's just like let's, yeah, putting things in perspective for a second. The Bucks team is very good. Continue. Yeah. No, that like all time, maybe not all. Maybe no, they're all-time. an all time we'll great team. Yeah, right now they are on pace to be an all time great team. I know they were on pace for a better record than they ended up with last season as well. So, um, a stretch kind of like this one happened, and these stretches do happen. I think overall, I'm not too concerned about some uneven play over a week. NBA seasons are really long. Stuff happens. Whatever. But uh, just one last Bloodstone note. If he actually does continue to become a better shooter and a more reliable shooter, I know Eric Name wrote a nice piece about this and how the Bucks are really working on it, and the results have sort of been on display recently. I think that would actually just inherently raise his floor quite a bit because it just it adds so much to his game. Now he needs to... He's not a liability. <laughs> Yeah, that would that we'd be getting there. That's for sure. Um, now he needs to really not worry about those things. And and like when that when that space is opened up and that ball hits him and he's open beyond the arc late in games, he's got to pull the trigger. The, the team doesn't work. Like the whole the let it fly thing is not just like a fun mantra. It's like the team needs that to happen for everything else to work. So hopefully we'll get there before playoffs time and and things don't just go wrong there. But the, the increased shooting is definitely a, a cause for celebration. Okay. Speaking of threes, let's just hop right into this one. This is this has been the topic of conversation. I can't believe we haven't gotten here earlier. Maybe it's because I'm kind of bored by it. Um, how, how concerning is it, Rohan Kadi, that teams continue to take and make a lot of threes against the Milwaukee Bucks? And not just like bulk numbers, but percentage-wise. It's been kind of crazy recently. It has, it's, it's early on, we thought it was just sort of like a random trend. We need to see how much the sample size, like we need the sample size to increase to see if this is actually like an area of concern or not. And now we're a solid chunk into the season and it's still happening. So it's, it's weird because you can't really control the percentage that other teams are going to shoot from three. You can only control how, how many shots they're getting. Yeah. Um, and the Bucks do not, like, they give up a decent amount of threes. But their their plan is to not, to, is to give um, threes to their the opposing teams, not great shooters, so you can, you know, play the math that way. However, it hasn't really been working out so well because it's always, it always seems like teams make their franchise record uh, for threes against the Bucks, and we just attribute it to a outlier shooting performance. But these outlier shooting performances are happening against the Bucks. You can't. There's no way to necessarily tell whether this is a Bucks problem or a luck problem, and that's it's concerning for the Bucks because if they try, if they look at this and try to figure out, hey, how are we supposed to limit the teams shooting insane percent from? percent from deep against us you can't really tell whether it's something they're doing or is it something the other teams are just doing extremely well on that given night yeah i mean i honestly i'm not i'm not really concerned about it i think the bucks need to get better at some of the defensive rotations like i think when they're really on they don't let so many good look threes fly i think they actually do do a, a really nice job of of getting there in time i think 
Like, I know there was a clip of Chris Middleton just horrible effort closing out on a three in that Spurs game. Like, stuff like that you'll see happen, uh, especially in some of these games when nothing just seems to be going Milwaukee's way. I think the Bucks can get down a little bit. They need to avoid doing that and stay sharp. But, like, in general, do I think the Bucks should switch how they play defense because the Spurs set a, a single-half franchise record and, like, Amari Spellman and... Uh, Damian Lee got hot in the game. No, no, I don't think that. Especially when the Bucks won. They beat the Spurs once with a, a pretty nice Spurs shooting performance. And then they lost to the Spurs. Uh, and then they, they beat the Warriors with the Warriors shooting really, really well from deep. And the Bucks not shooting well at all. So, uh, like like you said, there's a lot of variance in three-point percentage. Uh, not necessarily attempts. And I just think the success down at the rim is worth that risk sometimes of teams being able to get hot. There's not that much you can do. Um, you know, whenever I see smart people talk about defense, they usually end up saying something along the lines of, you know, you can't take away everything. You've got to live with teams getting something like there's no way to take away every shot on the floor. Like you're not going to get a shot clock violation every time out, but, so I think with that said, like I can live with the way the Bucks choose to defend. I think I can live with those high variance, low percentage uh, looks. Like obviously the farther away from the rim you are, the, the lower percentage generally. Uh, not not points per shot, but just like percentage of the ball going in the rim. So I'm not really that worried. I'm just not. That's I think it'll correct itself. I mean, they're still, what, 33 and 6, I think? Sure. Yeah, 33 and 6 now with the win. So... Uh yeah, I I'm fine. I I I can live with it. Mm, it's it's starting to bother me a little bit. And I can't like like I was saying, I can't really tell what it is, which is bothering me a little bit more cuz I like to know what things are, but that's just a personal thing. <laughs> yeah. Um but it's I don't know. It just seems like every time the Bucks face a team, the other team gets hot from deep. You know, I really do think part of it is the Bucks are a team other teams get up to play against. Yeah, I was thinking that because it, it's weird to be in that perspective as like avid watchers of the Bucks because you're yeah. not necessarily uh, ready to be the team that other teams get up to play. But especially because like four years ago we were doing this against the Warriors, like that's wild. Uh, the twenty four and one thing. How that was four years ago. Yeah, twenty sixteen, right? Dang. Yeah. Okay. Whatever. That's not really. Well, right it now. was more like three and a half because it was that was a twenty sixteen seventeen season. Oh yeah, October. It was November. Yeah. Yeah. No, it could have been November. It was December. Yeah, I think it was. No, it, was, it had to be December. Yeah. Well, like in that. Yeah, that's wild. Uh, but it like the Bucks have sort of become that team. Like the, they definitely have. Yeah, they're not like the twenty-four and a Warriors, but they're still like uh, best record in the NBA with the reigning MVP. Mm-hmm. Like teams are ready for you. You're not. Uh, which team do I want to insult? You're not the Charlotte Hornets. Oof. Yeah. You're, Tough one. Yeah. Like, like teams aren't going to necessarily like get super hyped to play the Hornets or like the Suns. But, the Bulls. Yeah. The Bulls, yes, like they're they're but they're going to get super excited to play the Bucks. Yeah, no, doubtlessly, you know, in the in the words of the immortal Ric Flair, to be the man, baby, you've got to beat the man. Everybody wants to beat the team on top. You know, it's it's worth more. I mean, I think it 
Like there, I mean, obviously there's more of a rivalry thing there, but like the one team over 500 the Warriors have beat all year is the Rockets. Like I think there's just like you get up for certain, and that was a Christmas game too. You just get up for certain games, and the Bucks are one of those games where pretty much every team is going to circle and say, "Oh, that's a team." Like that would be a great team to beat. That that's a yeah, game the we Bucks really don't can get bring up for game. every single game, but every team gets up to play the Bucks. Absolutely, hundred percent true, and I think it it matters as well. Like it's not like. You're probably gonna get you know engaged loud road arenas when the Bucks are in town because fan, fans are coming out to mm-hmm. see honest. And it's always Greek um, Appreciation Night. It's always Greek Appreciation Night. It was uh, tonight in uh, San Francisco. Can't so, why. Yeah, it's real, real coinky dink. Um, so here's kind of an interesting one. Uh, Cross eye from the Discord, the Eurogroup Discord. Uh, and remember, if you want to get in there to talk Bucks with us, we just got the esteemed Tim Ray in there during this game. That was, that was a, a, a fan. That was huge. Huge pickup. Um, he was he was great, active during the game for sure. Um, tweet at Rohan or I. Uh, just a screenshot of you listening to the pod, and, and a person or two has actually kind of misinterpreted the instruction and like sent a, a selfie of them listening to it. I'll allow that too. Yeah. Uh, whatever floats your boat, but you know, some show some support. Download the pod, listen to it, subscribe, rate, review, and and everything else, and we'll get you in there to talk bucks. But Crosseye wants to know how concerned we are with Giannis's back. He's been listed probable a few times, sat out a recent back-to-back, another back-to-back coming up. We'll see how the Bucks treat him there and kind of did look like he was a little tight, although he did end up coming in after sitting out late to, to finish this thing off. Personally, I'm like a little concerned, but it's one of those where I just think, you know, you handle it now, you rest him as needed, and you get him right. It doesn't seem like something that would recur over and over again, but what is your thought? It's it's concerning me a little bit that it's lingering this much because it's been like what a month yeah it, i think it, it it first cropped up a while ago so yeah, yeah it's at least been a, a month. while that it's not and you can tell like when he plays in the style that he's been playing he's been more reliant not reliant obviously but he's been more uh decisive and looking for three-point attempts and not and not necessarily like getting in the paint and like dunking on guys. Yeah. Like when's the last time he dunked on someone? Like the Memphis game against uh Bruno? The last time he dunked on someone? Yeah. Whew, that's tough. The alley oop dunk wasn't really on anyone, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, no, it's been a it's been a little yeah, while. Yeah, I think it was the Memphis game. And that was, and that that was, was like personal. a personal that was for country. Yeah, yeah, that was awesome. Yeah. <laughs> So it's like, when's when's the last time he's like played with that sort of ferocity down low? Yeah, and it's even and on it's fast sort of breaks, that's trailed really... off as the back soreness has sort of uh, appeared, which is why yeah. it's concerning me a little bit. But if it's something that proves to go away as the season goes on, then no harm, no foul. But if it if it's a lingering thing for a while, that's not good. No. No, and I, th- I think we're in agreement here. You just, you rest him as much mm-hmm. as you need to for this to be better. Yep. Like, no like I'm saying, like this is, it's January. Rest your guys for the playoffs. 100%. Yeah, especially when you know you're already locked in a pole position for the first seed. Everything else, you got to have Giannis right. That's nothing, nothing else happens. The team is undefeated happens. without Giannis already. So it's like, yep. he'll be fine. Phony MVP. They don't even need him. Bruce <laughs> uh, on the real MVP. <laughs> Yeah, Ursanity finally drew a charge again tonight. Yeah, Big news. he's back. Ursan is back, baby. Ursanity. I think it had been like since December 11th or 12th or something, which has to be 
Like, so it has to be like by minute, one of the longest stretches between him drawing charges. Just really, yeah. really worried you, you we saw the like end. Withdrawal? For sure. I, I feel like he was in his apartment in Milwaukee. In Mequon. Just no, like Mequon living in Oh, of course. What am I thinking? What am I thinking? In his in his yard in Mequon, maybe on his patio, and just like doing the charge post and just falling over, wistfully thinking about somebody plowing into him. What a weird part of basketball. Oh, that is that is an image that is in my head right now, and it's very just funny. Like a small tear gathering in his eye, like I wish someone had just charged into me, and the official made the right the right motion with his hands and body. Um, speaking of the paint, this is a sloppy transition, but. We've come to our last concern, at least that I have noted down here. Um, and that's basically the idea that defenses can clog the paint to slow down the Bucks' offense and the Bucks and, and Coach Mike Budenholzer, you know, aren't adjusting enough to get ready for that. And that, I think this is maybe the most interesting of all the concerns. Uh, I'll let you go first here. Rohan, you know, what are your, what are your thoughts on this idea? Personally, I guess I lied about saying you could go first. Um, but just like this game, like I don't, I don't think the Warriors really did a, a terrific job at it. I think that was more like the Bucks played the right way and just happened to miss a bunch of threes. But so more in general, if you agree with me on the Warriors game, how do you feel about this as a as an issue? I feel like the I feel like opponents are starting to play the Bucks like the Bucks play opponents. In, yeah, it's weird. I've I've thought about that as well. It's they're letting the worst shooters on the floor take a bunch of open threes, and it's working out. Like we've been talking about, like the wing shooters, like Dante, Pat, like they're they're the ones that are getting a lot of open threes, and teams are living with that because they're not shooting well. So you kind of get this sort of thing where it's like well you're shooting a bunch of threes so you're not necessarily clogging the paint but you're clogging the paint in that you're forced to kick out to not great three-point shooters and then the possession just ends but then you're just like oh you got a wide open three like that's a good shot but not necessarily if it, it like it depends on the shooter you're sort of like they're it's like the bucks play against themselves now yeah yeah, it's teams are like, oh, that's a good strategy that actually would work on you guys. Let's try it. Uh, I do wonder how much, like, if you swapped Pat and Sterling for another wing who hits, like, 39% of their threes, I wonder if this would just be a non-issue. Um, yeah, because it, it's it's like if you don't have someone that you can leave open, it's not a point of concern. Yeah, it just doesn't really work anymore. Yeah. So it's is if the Bucks are starting to like their shooters are starting to regress from three, that's when it becomes a problem. Like it's a you can't leave Kyle Korver open, but you can leave Pat Connaughton open. So you kinda it's it's sort of like that dichotomy where it's like it depends on how what you have on the floor versus you know, like what's available to you. Like if you get like a Davis Bertans, then it's not a problem. Mm. Oof. Because you can't, you can't leave him open. No, absolutely not. So I, I do now. Now I'm starting to think more that as we talk in this podcast, if the Bucks will go after one more perimeter shooter, one more spacer. I think they almost the have deadline. to. Yeah, especially if like if you're just not going to play Sterling and DJ, why not see if you can find some vet who's hitting 38, 39 percent mm-hmm. and on a bad team and just go, hey, take these guys. They're probably something. We're not really going to play them, but you yeah, will. Okay, you got to keep one of them. 
I, I, if you can trade both of them and then not, not move any picks, I don't I don't hate that. I still think you got to keep one of them because you got to keep at least some young blood in there. It's Dante. It's just him. Yeah, yeah. yeah. At this point, like I'm looking at Sterling as like not really factoring in much, yeah, just based on how things have gone. Mm-hmm. I still, and I think DJ is more valuable than Sterling. I do too, and I, but I think the issue is like, what does it matter if he's just not going to play? That's fair. That's the issue. It's like it stinks, but like he like time and time again. No matter what has happened, we just really have not seen him. So no. Also, DJ is shooting a cool twenty six point two percent from three. Yeah, it's a yikes. It's yeah. a yikes there. But so those are things you kind of gotta. You have to kind of wonder about. It would be nice if if buck shooters would just pick it up a little bit. But uh, an injection of of shooting certainly would not hurt at all. Mm. Um, I and guess my like other thing. Other shooters regress. Yeah. Like if that happens, yeah. you don't necessarily have to do anything. But if this is just a what it is now you kind of have to do something yeah it's interesting to me that philly game still ends up a lot closer than people remember i mean there's a run late from the bucks but I, I, sort of garbage time but like the game certainly not over yet it was, and it was within single digits with like two minutes left yeah it was so like if philly hits like 36 percent of their threes so the bucks end up winning that game probably not but like maybe so i think they that's, probably do to, they might they might i mean so many things change but they that's certainly true. might um, so it's, it's fun to think about like, you know, all these things, all these nits we're picking and, and they're still so good and they still lost so rarely, but I think there is merit in this one. Um, I think the Bucks do need to work on things, um, to adjust against these clogged defenses, especially if they don't end up acquiring more shooting. Uh, this game actually against the Warriors, the one bright spot, we got a good amount of Chris Giannis pick and roll. Like. More than I can remember seeing in quite a while. I, I got a couple of the clips on my Twitter um, that I really, really liked. And there was one late as well that I kind of referenced already with Bledsoe just not taking the shot. But one that ended up, it was almost like a dribble handoff, which I'm totally fine with that. It, it basically gets the same thing done where like Giannis is coming across uh, sort of the in-between spot, like that long mid-range spot between the three-point line and the free throw line. And he kind of like pitches the ball to Chris and immediately sets a screen Chris starts to go around it. Giannis curls around the back and just gets an easy alley-oop from Chris. And earlier there was a beautiful one where the whole defense converges on the Giannis-Chris pick-and-roll. Chris slings it out to Dante. Dante moves it to Wes. Wes pump fakes, gets Draymond like into the third row, and then nails a three. Like Those plays looked good, and we saw way more in tonight's game than we did on Monday against the Spurs. And there was a, a nice bud quote after the action uh, that Spurs lost. That basically said, "I need to adjust more." And you know, at first that that part alone came out. Then the kind of context came out that it seemed like he was talking about defending Lamarcus Aldridge. Um, so it was like, "Oh, maybe he just means defense, whatever." It's not that exciting. To me, it did feel like there was a bit of an offensive adjustment, and I think it was one that really helped keep the Bucks in the lead in this game. Yeah, no, for sure. Like the last like two three weeks, we've had sort of like a. Like, not very creative offense, which was kind of deviating from what they had started to build momentum-wise as they started to get injuries with Middleton and Bledsoe. But it seems like they were starting to go back because there was more variance to the offense. It wasn't just straight line drives, then drive and kick. 
Like there was yeah. there was more nuance to it, which was good to see it, and it really worked. Like the first time, uh, the f- what was the first major one? The West Three, uh, the Giannis pick and roll, mm-hmm. Giannis yeah. Chris pick and roll. Like uh, as soon as I saw that, I was like, "Oh, Ty's gonna talk about this on the pod, and he's oh, gonna be yeah. beaming about it." I was so excited <laughs> uh, because it, it works. Like it, there's no way that it, when there's five guys on the, uh, like you know, obviously there's gonna be five guys on the court for the Bucks. Unless something really bad happened. Uh, yeah. Uh, you go full Colin Sexton at Alabama. Yeah, uh, I was thinking of that too. Wow. <laughs> um, but yeah, like there's no way that the opposing team can defend that with so much attention that Giannis and Chris draw in an action with each other and then you have three shooters on the court. It, yeah, it just depends on the shooters, like we exactly. were talking about earlier. Exactly, it really all does come for us full circle. But that, I will say, that was encouraging to see. So I thought, yes, the, kind, the, of a, uh, kind of a win and an adjustment. Yes, the the more more stuff to the offense usually equals good results. One hundred thousand percent. That's that's it for my concerns. Now I'm just concerned about our lack of sleep tomorrow. Do you have any other box concerns? Uh, I don't have concerns. I forgot. Uh, I can't. I can't remember who said this in the Discord. I don't know if you did, uh, if you do, but someone said that Giannis has really improved his uh, shooting at the rim this season. It might have been me, like I, specifically just like weird angles. Yeah, and it's I, I was looking this up. Like last season, he shot seventy three point seven percent in the restricted area, which is insane. Given, Very good. Yeah, given the volume that he shoots. He's shooting 75% this season. That's crazy because it's felt like he has not been attacking the basket as well with this back thing. So that's so wild to hear. Like, uh, this guy is so unbelievable. We man. Like, we, we really so take lucky. him for granted sometimes. Like, we, yeah. with the trade with the basketball gods that we made for, like, that we're going to make with Eric Bledsoe, we just need to praise them for giving us Giannis. Yeah, we we really cannot ask for anything else. <laughs> Guy put up thirty points, twelve rebounds, four assists in thirty-two minutes. Oh yeah, honest. And it was, and the main things we're talking about him are hacky, honest. Yeah, yeah, and him making free throws. Thirty, twelve, and four in thirty-two minutes. It's wild. He only played thirty-two because I felt like they needed him a lot, but Bud did get some rest, and I do wonder. How much of that was the back? But no, yeah, another. I mean, he he's the anchor night in and night out. Uh, obviously, you know the Bucks have two and zero without him or whatever. But three, um, three and zero. Excuse me. Um, but clearly, it all starts and stops with the Greek freak yep. Giannis Antetokounmpo. So future two-time MVP, at least. Yep. I meant to say uh, back-to-back a, MVP because you know yeah, that would make yeah. my point better. But you know what? It gets across. <laughs> It's late. I feel like it's yep. forgivable. It is, and we hope that you appreciate this, <laughs> listeners. And I am specifically talking to you, Uh-oh. you listening to this right now. I hope you're appreciating this. Uh, but Ty, do you have anything, anything else that you wanted to hit? Um, I, no, I, th- I thought I had forgot something, but now I don't think I forgot something. So I feel like, I feel like we got it. Okay. Well, we've talked a lot about the Discord this episode, and if you want to get in on that, again, tweet tire at. Ty or I a picture of you listening whether that's a screenshot or just a selfie whatever it works either way is fine uh we'll get you in there we talk a lot of uh bucks during the games just general NBA stuff we had some fun stuff about uh Jimmy Butler and DJ Warren and the Cavs situation um so if you want to get in on that you know hit us up on Twitter 
<laughs> Don't be a slug. Join the Discord. Oh my God. Ah, oh, man. Yep. Yeah. Don't be a slug. Join the Discord. Um, but yeah, um, aside from that, thank you again for listening to this podcast, this edition of the Eurostuff on the Blue Wire Network. Listen to all of the podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. They're all great. I can attest to it. Um, but yes, thank you for listening to this episode. Keep sharing, keep rating and reviewing on your platform of choice. Uh, we really appreciate the support. And thank you for listening to this episode again. And we will talk to you next time. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.